Welcome to the Jacks Rangers Show, a New England Free Jacks fan podcast. And now, Rangers, here's your host, Phil Harris. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show. I am broadcasting from beautiful Manchester, New Hampshire, here at the new Granite Outpost. What a win at Fort Quincy once again for your New England Free Jacks, the true real fort of MLR. The Chicago Hounds put up a pretty good fight, especially in the uh, coming out of the gate in the second half, but the Jacks dispatched them as we predicted they would. Welcome to episode 73. We are calling this one Broken Arrow as your New England Free Jacks travel up to Canada North in Toronto, Ontario, Canada to face off against the lowly Toronto Arrows, the Eastern Conference punching bag Toronto Arrows. In this episode, we've got USA Rugby second rower, Harlequins second rower, Beantown Women Rugby second rower, and oh, by the way, she happens to work for the New England Free Jacks. Jenny Cronish is on the show, as well as our Toronto correspondent via Halifax, Nova Scotia. His name is Brian Ray. He is the best MLR our pundit in the game. He is of America's Rugby News, and we are very, very lucky to have him on this show as our Toronto correspondent. And then, of course, Diamond Dave and myself broke down the game against Chicago and provided the preview of your New England Free Jacks facing off against the Toronto Arrows. With that being said, let's hit that theme music. Huzzah! Woo! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers show. Uh, That is the first time that we've showed that intro, and it makes me smile every time that I see it. Uh, We have a very, very special guest this time around. She also plays the second row position. Her name is Jenny Cronish. Jenny, how the hell are you? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, Longtime listener, first time caller. So happy (laughs) happy to be here. Awesome. So glad that you were able to join us today. Let's talk really quickly about where you're from originally. Yep. So I'm from New York, New York, right in Manhattan. Wow. I didn't know that. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Okay. And you went to Harvard uh, for your undergrad. Is that right? Can you hear me? Uh Uh-oh. There we go. Are you there? Yes, I can hear okay. you. Okay, sorry. There we go. I, I didn't. I didn't get the response there. So you did go to Harvard, right, for your undergrad for rugby? Yes. Yes. Okay. I did. Very good. Very good. Let's talk really quickly about your role with the Free Jacks, because you do work for the Free Jacks. You're a staffer with them. Um, what is that title? Yeah, so I initially came on about a year ago, um, and I was doing some community management, um, essentially trying to grow the game of rugby in New England and the United States as a whole. Um, Shortly after joining the Free Jacks, I had the opportunity to go play overseas, um, which the Free Jacks were super down for, which I really, really appreciated. Um, And then I kind of switched into more of a marketing role to do rugby. Excellent. Yeah. So how, how did it come about initially? Were you just looking in the want ads or how, did somebody reach out to you specifically? How did that come about? 
Um, so I had always been a Free Jets fan. Obviously, you know, the, the rugby community in Boston, New England is pretty close sure. knit. Sure, um, yeah. So I had, you know, I, I'd been a fan and been to some of the games. I played in an in independence match. Um, and at one of the matches, I just went up to um, CEO Mags and mm-hmm. said, hey, you know, I really like what you're doing from afar. It seems like a wonderful organization to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's ever an opportunity that, you know, you'd like, you'd like some help on the marketing side or whatever, I would love to join in. Um, and he was kind enough to hear me. And, uh, <laughs> I think a few months later there ended up being a job opening. Um, and I was referred by my friend who used to work there. Um, okay. and it, yeah, it was great. That's awesome. What is it like working with Mags? He seems like a real, you know, he's, he's obviously a genius, right? So, but he's also kind of wacky. Like what's that day-to-day relationship work with him? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's like, his mind totally runs a mile a minute. Um, and he's just a, a really a fun guy to work with. I mean, he's just spitballing ideas all the time. I think we're kind of similar in that we're both, uh, a little goofy so we can appreciate (laughs) that side of each other. Um, you know, whether it's like a creative Instagram video or, um, Mm -hmm. something kind of fun. I think we, we both have kind of come up through playing rugby and know the values that rugby has, um, on an individual and the, the greater community. So just whatever way we can try and spread that message. Um, and he's all for that. And it's just, it's fantastic. Very cool. So I know that you're over there in England, uh, for the most part, playing over it with Harlequins quite often. Are you able to watch the Free Jacks games still uh, consistently? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously with the time difference, it's hard for some of the later games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but any game that's on at 2 p.m. or um, I was I recently got the privilege of being able to write a post game write up. Um, oh, cool. So I watched the game and was kind of typing um, in real time, which was really fun. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, it obviously nothing beats being being in Quincy watching them live, but um, mm-hmm. it, it is cool to be in England watching them at home. Very cool. What's your, who's your favorite free jack right now on the squad? Do you have a favorite? Uh, it's it's Josh Larson. Forever. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. he's such a, he's just you know he's such a beacon for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a ton of work too. When I'm when I'm home, I play with Beantown, um, mm-hmm. and he and John Poland and a few of the other guys have come in and. Right. run some sessions for us. Um, and he's just, he's a great guy and such a leader. I agree a thousand percent with that. It's an excellent selection and obviously a lock as, as well as yourself. So it's easy to pick him for sure. Yeah. What is your impressions of the season so far? You just recently, like you were saying, did a write up for the matches and you're, you know, watching the games. What's your impressions? Um, good. I think the team is showing that they're really gelling. Um, mm-hmm coming together, obviously a, a few new faces this year. Um, and I just think the pace that we're playing with, we're trying to, to trying to be creative, um, which is really cool. I think as the season progresses and, you know, things become a little, um, a little clearer and a little more comfortable and confident, we'll really mm-hmm. start to grow. Um, but I think, I think the team is really starting to gel, to gel. And I, I think, you know, leaders like, Josh, when he comes back into the squad after injury, yep. um, I think things are really going to start coming together. 
I agree with that. You know, it's 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 kind of unfortunate that you've lost these two games, but I mean, it's 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 away games practically on the West Coast. It's kind of a difficult situation there. You know, uh, I think where we are right now with four and two being the record, it's you you can't be too upset with that for sure. And I think the team will continue to get better as the season progresses, as you're saying. Uh, you moved over yeah. to Harlequins. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, and I mean, with a record like four and two we kind of forget that as Free Jacks fans, we're a little bit spoiled to, mm-hmm. you know, come off of last season with, with yeah. such a winning record. Um, and you, as you mentioned, two away games, you know, a one point loss in Utah. It's like, we're, you know, we're knocking at the door. We're not getting blown out. Things are mm-hmm. coming together. Yeah. Um, we're missing a few key players. So these That's are right. not, these are not things to hang your hat on. These are very much um, growing points that will just pay off in dividends for the rest of the season. For sure. In the last episode, we talked about, you know, clinical finishing needs to be sharpened up and also cutting down on the penalties. But other than that, you can't really complain too much with where we are at the, at the present moment. I did want to ask you about Harlequins because you mentioned it earlier. Uh, you moved over there in March of 2022 to compete in the Premier 15s. Was that much of a culture shock going from Manhattan over there to England? Um, yeah, definitely. Um I think, you know, first and foremost, just having the privilege to be able to go and involve myself in a full-time rugby space um, was unbelievable. You know, obviously we're trying to, we're actively trying to grow the sport um, in New England and New York and the whole U.S., but to go into a community where, you know, rugby is a staple and kids grow up with a rugby ball in their hand, people know Mm -hmm. what it is. Um, people look at me and say, oh, you must be a second row. That's (laughs) that's a pretty special environment to be a part of. Um, And then, you know, even more so than like joining an English team, obviously there's English girls, but I'm playing with girls from all over the world. There's, you know, girls from South Africa, there's girls from Japan in the league, Um, Australia, New Zealand. It's it's such an unbelievable experience um, and I'm very grateful for yeah, for sure. There's quite a bit of uh, American girls, not necessarily on Harlequins, but all, all spread across the league. A lot of, of them in uh, Exeter Chiefs as well. So, yeah, very, very cool. Um, I wanted to ask you as well with regard to that. Um, let me see here. Your time management skills must be off the charts, right? Because like you're you're a professional rugby player in a full time environment, but yet you also work for the Free Jacks. Like how does what is the average day look like for you juggling both of those roles? Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit of a catch 22. It's, um, you know, both pros and cons, but that is a little bit the reality of being a female rugby player um, Mm -hmm. in that the majority of us are, are full-time playing in the UK certainly. um, But full-time doesn't necessarily mean, you know, make a living or make the living that you want to have. Um, And all of us are aware that, you know, rugby unfortunately is not kind of the, the be all end all of your set for life after you play. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been very important to me that as I'm um, achieving my rugby goals that I'm keeping in the back of my mind that one day, you know, I will have to hang up the boots um, and get involved with something else. So to, to try and run those lines parallel to each other, I've been super lucky. Um, And then in terms of time management, I mean, it's um, luckily both my, my job and my passion right now are rugby. Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, it's obvious, it's very cliche and I'm aware of that, but working for the Free Jacks is so much fun. And I, um, 
I really can relate to the mission that they're promoting of growing mm -hmm. the game and wanting more people to just fall in love with it. And so, you know, if, if I can do that, um, and try, and that's absolutely worth balancing with any, any sort of rugby that I'm playing on the field, because it's just kind of two different ways of funneling the sport that I love. For sure. That's a great answer there, for sure. I was going to ask you, you know, growing up in Manhattan, right, going to college in New England, mm -hmm. in Boston specifically, do you have divided allegiances at all? Obviously, you work for the Free Jacks, but do you, like, watch New York games and be like, oh, man, you know, I could be working for them? Has that ever crossed your mind? <laughs> um, it, that's a good question. You know, um, to answer the first part of growing up in New York and then moving to Boston for college, I think – you know, my first few years in Boston, I was so um, hesitant to to buy into Boston and New England because I was like, yep. "Oh, New York is New York is bigger. New York moves at a faster pace." Um, right. And I was like a stringent New York fan. And then a little bit later, and since graduating and actually being able to live in Boston, I've realized, you know, it's like kind of comparing apples and oranges, and particularly <laughs> right. in the in the sports in the sports department, Boston mm -hmm. is like on a whole other level. Um, yeah, Boston agree. is kind of unique in being a big city, but having that small town feel of where everyone yeah. is super rah-rah for their teams. Mm -hmm. um, and you feel that absolutely in every sport and then working in the Free Jacks space too, um, which is obviously an up and like kind of up and coming in the Boston sports arena, but already the fans and the traction that they get, the stadium that they're, that we get to deck out, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously, I must respect what every team in the MLR is doing, but uh, no, I, I I don't watch New York play and wish I was there. I am more than happy to to hang out in Fort Quincy and um, wear the the red and blue with with the Free Jacks. Love to hear that. It's a great uh, answer. It's music to my ears. In fact, Janae, that's a great uh, answer there. So I wanted to ask you about the Women's World Cup. Obviously, it was awarded for USA in 2023. We're 10 years away at this point which is great news, but um, how close are we to having a professional league in the United States? You know, we recently had on uh, Jennifer McFloyd from uh, Girls Rugby Massachusetts, and we talked about how when MLR started up, it was it was pretty much, a, you know, a pretty quick transition to determining what the pathways were coming through amateur clubs and going through the academies of these teams that have set up these academies for young players Obviously, we kind of need that for the women's team. I mean, there is pathways, but it's kind of like split and like sometimes it's a dirt road. You know what I'm saying? Like, so how far away do you think we are from professional rugby in the United States for women? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the hot ticket question right now. Um, you know, seeing as as how the, the World Cup is going to be here in about 10 years, mm -hmm. um, and agreed, I absolutely agree with you. It's the the pathways are kind of um, dotted in different areas. There's no streamlined way to, you know, go from point A to point B. Right. Um, and I think, I think what the MLR is doing is absolutely trailblazing a way to, to grow the sport of rugby and to create the foundations of, you know, youth rugby up through high school, up through college, and then getting selected for, um, national team stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, ultimately what it comes down to is, um, interest and investment in the game. Um, and I know that between MLR, USA Rugby, um, the WPL, which is the Women's Premier League in the U.S., um, mm -hmm. they have a lot of um, 
you know, they're doing a lot of work to try and create that foundation, um, whether that's through monetary investment, um, you know, growing different programs, just creating knowledge of sport, really. Um, mm -hmm. So that when that World Cup comes in, in 2031 for the men and 33 for the women, mm -hmm. there is already the platform of, you know, we have this pathway set up, we have youth rugby programs, we have high school rugby programs, so that once, hopefully people learn about the sport before then, but if there, right. the buzz comes, you know, more buzz will come with the World Cup, then we can say, awesome, you have this group you can go to, you can jump in here, you can jump in there, and we have those systems set in place. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of a professional league for, you know, in terms of a league for women, um, so many people are doing really hard work behind the scenes, the kind of the thankless jobs that nobody really wants to do of starting mm -hmm. up a league. Um, right. Again, there is a league in place. It is by no means fully professional. They're, they have a five, 10, you know, a thousand year plan of making it professional. Um, mm -hmm. But ultimately it's, it's going to be that investment and going to be the work of great programs like the Free Jacks supporting club teams and just trying to grow the game. For sure. We had um, owner Eric Anderson on here a while back and I asked him about, you know, women's rugby and we we had kind of, I guess we're on the same wavelength as to what the name should be called. If there is a New England team, like how can it not be the free Jills, right? Like that is just a no brainer. It's a home run in terms of you're a marketing lady, right? That's what you do for the free Jacks. So, I mean, free Jills has to be the team name, right? Um, you know, I'm not going to put anything out on the record here for free Jills. Uh, I know that there's a lot of, a lot of women, um, and people who play for, you know, whether it's Beantown, Boston rugby, Worcester, um, mm -hmm. who all want to throw their names in the hat. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, free Jills is a very witty name. I'll give you that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you're a second row rower, just like I was. Um, so I got a playing question for you what is a better feeling winning a scrum or stealing a line out throw which what, what do you like better oh um that's a good question actually my my uh jerk reaction is winning a scrum because mm -hmm. that is just like such a visceral like yep. just the most kind of tug of war aspect of the game and you mm -hmm. just feel on top of the world total yep. like I'm a beast and it's a primal thing. Mess yes. you guys up. That's yes. for sure. Oh, it's absolutely primal. <laughs> um, so that's a pretty fabulous feeling. And then I'd say stealing a line out is more of like a cool cat feeling. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't, you don't, you don't get the moment after the fact to, you know, look at your opponent and be like, take that. Whereas gotcha. when you yeah. win a scrum, you, you have that, that moment where you get up and have to, you're essentially standing over the other team and you're like, yeah, that sucks. Cause everyone knows what it feels like to get run over in a scrum too. So yep. to beat someone. That's, that's a pretty good feeling. For sure. I think it's more like with the scrum, it's like a group effort that you played a part in, but when you're stealing uh, a line out throw, that's, that's all you, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a different, it's a different yeah. dynamic for sure. Um, I also wanted to ask you, what is your pregame routine like? Is there a type of music that you like to listen to prior to a game? Or are you just like one of those uh, silent types? So what's the situation there? Leading up to the game, travel to the game, um, I like to be very calm. Um, so that's listening to like, honestly, a lot of the types of music. And this is not this is not a paid advertisement, but a lot of the types of music that's going to be at like in between days or something like that. Oh, okay. um, kind yep. of like chill folky vibes 
Um, but then I like to take a moment walking into the locker room, always have to take a second to just look at the jersey and appreciate the opportunity that you're given, the people who helped you get there, the teammates around you. Um, and that's for club or country, doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. And then once once you have that moment and you can kind of ground yourself in that, then it's all just dance vibes, party time in the locker room. <laughs> I like to I like to get up. Um totally will be dancing my face off in the locker room um and sometimes have to just rein it in because i'm like oh i'm really gonna <laughs> i'm gonna gas myself before i get out there oh, um, yeah. but yeah dancing dancing in the locker room nice i always used to listen to like death metal just like really really hardcore music to get myself pumped up but then you also like you're yeah. saying you kind of have to kind of check yourself a little bit because you don't want to get too hyped up prior to a game because you want to expend that energy while you're on the pitch but uh let's talk about usa uh rugby because you are a usa eagle as well um recently the pacific four series for 2023 has started um y'all just played against canada in april uh on the first of april and there's an additional games coming up in july against australia and new zealand uh what did y'all learn from the canada game yeah i think um the first of all the scoreline of the canada game hats off to canada they always um they always come out swinging and they're a, a tough physical team um and very well trained. So it's always a good fight when we play them. I don't, uh, the scoreline was tough for us, um, but we, that game in this most recent tour in Spain, um, we were able to cap nine new Eagles, which is incredible. Um, Really good opportunity to start a new World Cup cycle. Um, This is our first time gathering as a a team after New Zealand. Um, And to cap nine new people, we had a ton of new girls come in. you know, fresh legs and just fresh perspectives, which is always a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Canada game, I think, you know, similar to what we were talking about, the free jacks earlier, it's just about executing those little pieces, mm-hmm. um, you know, finishing two V ones. I think uh, moving forward, our set piece, we know needs to be better. Um, you know, as a second row too, that's like first and foremost and what, what we're kind of going to be thinking about. Mm-hmm. So um just ability to hone in on on gelling as a team for our set piece moving forward um, is a huge takeaway from that kind of game looking to July. Very good. I wanted to ask you, let's play um, general manager here for a second. Um, if you were to draft into 15's duty, any sevens player uh, on USA right now, obviously there is some turnover, like, our, or, you know, you guys have people that come from the sevens squad over to 15's from time to time, like in the last World Cup. Um, who would you bring over right now and why? That's a good question. Um, I think someone who's who's popped up fairly recently on the seventh scene, who's made a, a huge impact, um, has been Sam Sullivan. Oh, she yes. is yep. just absolutely rapid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she would just burn people on the edges um, in a 15s match if we gave her a little bit of time and space. Um, you mentioned some girls who've already come over into into 15s from sevens. Elona yep. Marr, uh, yep. Christy Kershey, obviously Alev Kelter. Um, it's super cool when they come in because, you know, as much as we all fall under the umbrella of USA rugby, um, you know, different coaching, different programs. And so to get, um, to get new faces in when they, when they show up and um, that's great. It's awesome. But yeah, I would, I would say right now, Sam Sullivan, I don't know um, what her 15s background is, but she crushes it on the sevens field. She absolutely does. Uh, definitely a great, uh, 
addition to that squad for sure. Kershey, a Boston gal, you know, Free Jacks ambassador back in the day, a fan of the team. I wonder if Alana's a fan of the Free Jacks. I've never really heard one way or the other, but she's from Vermont. So it seems like we should have her by default as a fan of the team. But who knows? I don't know. Um, let's, uh, I feel like, uh, my bill, uh, my buddy, Bill Baker asking all these USA rugby questions, but I do have one more and it's more of a Dave type of question. Obviously Diamond Dave, not able to join us in this particular interview, but, uh, you're having a house party. All right. Uh, four other USA rugby players. Who's the bartender? Who's the DJ? Who is security and who is supervising everything? Who you got? Okay. Um, DJ is easy. That's got to be below. She just absolutely is the master of the tunes. Whenever we're on tour, she's crushing it. All right. Um, the, the bartender. Um, that's a good one. We'll, we'll save that one for later. Security is going to be um, my girl, Gabby Cantorna, um, okay. my bestie. Just because she is uh, probably the least likely to let someone in who's not on the list. Nice. And she would die on that hill. <laughs> um, let's see. Bartender. Maybe. Um, Georgie. Georgie Paris Redding would be a good bartender, oh, okay. I think. She has some. She's good. She's good chat. Um, and she's quick, so she would nice. she would be serving up the drinks. Um, and then what was the last one? Uh, supervisor um, or DJ? I think we, we've already done DJ. So yeah, so who's supervising the whole thing? Who's like oh, the, overseeing the all of the tasks? Like, yeah, <clears throat> overseeing all the tasks. Um, that's got to be our general uh, scrum half, Carly Waters. Okay, she's yeah. um, she has a mental clipboard like no other, and she just checks through tasks. So when we were just in Spain, we had a, we had a a little like charcuterie picnic and Mm -hmm. she planned, I'm not kidding you, like a, (laughs) a table, a table of meat, cheese, crackers, jam, honey. It was unbelievable. So I got it. I will give that to her. She will happily take that. Very cool. I wanted, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time here, but I wanted to open up the floor for any messages to the Rangers out there, the free Jacks fans. What do you got for us? Um, Just keep on crushing it. I think without a doubt, and I'm not biased at all that I work for the free Jacks um, without a doubt, the, the free Jacks fan nation is the most hype, um, the mm. most fun, the most, excited to to not only cheer on the free jacks but spread spread the message of rugby yes. um which is ultimately you know kind of kind of the overall program's goal to just yeah. grow the love for the game um get more kids playing get more adults playing um and so a message to the fans would just be keep being awesome keep on keeping on i love that yeah, we do a pretty damn good job. Uh, there's a lot of like engaged people in this fan base for sure. And uh, they're very knowledgeable around this area about rugby and, and very passionate for sure. You expect that from Boston sports fans. But yeah, we definitely bring it in that front as well. So Jenny, I appreciate your time. We've got one word to exit the video in three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah! <laughs>
Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers Show, and you heard it from the best GM in all of MLR. This is the best MLR show. I am joined with our good friend from, uh, I was going to say across the pond, but that's not really quite the case. Uh, north of the border is more uh, descriptive here. He is Brian Ray. He is our Toronto correspondent. Brian, how the hell are you? Yeah, doing all right. Yeah, more like up up the coast and across up the, the coast, coast so yep. to speak. We'll go with that. Exactly. Yeah, that perfect. You're up there in Nova Scotia, but you are our Toronto correspondent. I wanted to ask you because you've done some really excellent work here in the past couple of months preparing everybody for the MLR season. I'm re- referencing the actual videos that you did for E. <laughs> a fair amount of time. I mean, obviously, you got to keep track of. I keep track of all the rosters and so on. You know, do all that anyway. So, you know, as far as takes goes, there's certainly a few outtakes <laughs> that got left of the cutting room floor. Uh, there's probably four or five, uh, you know, videos that I'd actually recorded completely, and then what? had some technical issues and had to scrap them entirely. Oh, no. So. That's, That's why the whole uh, the writing of those previews kind of got <laughs> shoved to the side because I just ran out of time. But gotcha. you know, th- things to work on for, for next season, maybe. I'll tell you, man, it was really, really impressive to see all of that come together. And your knowledge of the MLR players is so vast, like, I mean, I know the Free Jacks players because that's the team that we cover. I know some of the other like star players on other teams or whatever, but I there's no way I don't have that type of knowledge in my brain. So you know, hats off to you. I mean, obviously you do cover the entire MLR, not just Toronto, so it's kind of part of what you do. But it's really impressive, and I'm in awe in what, uh, with the knowledge that you have for sure. I did want to ask you, you were in attendance for the uh, the game against Dallas for New England uh, there at Fort Quincy. What was your impressions of Fort Quincy and also the Boston area in general? I think it's been a long time since you'd been there, right? Yeah, I'd been a few. I mean, I've been to Boston a couple of times, but yeah, it had been a few years, certainly well before the, the pandemic. It's probably, mm-hmm. I don't know, seven years or so since I was mm-hmm. down. So it was nice to get back down there and you know stay in the downtown area for a few days. It's probably, my, I think, my longest stay down in Boston. So yeah, it was great. Boston was, was terrific. Uh, the weather, except for that one day, of course, uh, was, was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Probably. But but to be fair, it wasn't as, as maybe as cold and, and bad as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't too right. bad out there. Um, uh, you know, I, I got a chance, luckily, to go see the, you know, the training run on Thursday. So I got an early look at Fort Quincy. And <laughs> and then I got to see the whole setup that they've got down in there. I, I'll, I'll get around to that little kind of uh, photo essay maybe this week or so. But there you go. Um, yeah, it was a great time. Obviously, the organization was was fantastic, very welcoming. Mm-hmm. So that was yes. awesome. Uh, and the game itself, I thought the atmosphere was terrific. You know, you crazy uh, a bunch of, <laughs> but what is it, Section 5? Section 5, the <laughs> Rowdy Section Rangers, five. as I like to call them, yeah. <laughs> so that was great. And, you know, what they don't see in um, – well, there was quite a few people under that tent as well. You know, so mm-hmm. it was a good turnout, uh, obviously terrific atmosphere. Um, the whole setup there look, looks pretty nice, and to see kind of – maybe plans for the future expansion, that kind of thing. There's certainly lots of room for that. So uh, yeah, it was a great trip down to Boston. I really enjoyed myself. Glad you enjoyed it for sure. I'm, I'm, you know, as you're saying, the club was very welcoming to you. I'm seeing you're wearing your, uh, your t-shirt there. That's the free (laughs) Jacks. Very nice. Yeah. (laughs) Got to wrap both Canadian teams. 
There you go. Canada <laughs> South is much better than Canada North right now. We'll get into that a little bit later on, but uh, so glad to see you in person and get a photo with you. I thought that was awesome that you made the trek down there. I think it's just a really a testament to Fort Quincy and the fan culture and the atmosphere that's being built there to get other guys, pundits from you know, uh, you know know across the league to want to come to Fort Quincy is pretty special. Pretty yeah, stuff. it was good to run into you and, and Rick Collins there as well. Yeah, yeah that was great. Jackal Den, so that was that's, yeah. that's great to see. That's the kind of thing you, you really love to see in, in Major League Rugby that uh, that building of, of community as, mm-hmm. as a league as a whole and and fan sure. you know groups uh, really meshing and, and having a, a drink and, and and enjoying themselves together is really uh, what it's all about. Absolutely. Uh, came up a little bit short there. Dallas did, but Rick had a blast for sure. He said that we were, I think, the nicest fans that he'd ever experienced uh, at an away game. So that's that's very nice to hear. You don't really think of nice in Boston or New England area, but, you know, we try to be hospitable. You know what I mean? What can I say? So. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the Toronto Arrows. That is why we have you on today. You've got your Toronto Arrows hat on. How concerned are you with Toronto's injury crisis right now? It seems like this happened last year, specifically in one position with the scrum half position. You guys went through like 10 scrum halves, but now it's more of uh, across the board with the, with the team. What's going on? Are you guys co- cursed or something? Like, what's going on? <laughs> And, uh, and look at that preview video that I did before the season. The projected starting lineup, I don't think it's happened once. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Been crippled with injuries. Just, uh, you know, and it's one of those things. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hope it's just bad luck. But I mean, two years in a row, you do have to, you know, raise your eyebrows a little. What's going on exactly? Yeah. Why is bad luck really hitting them? Uh, I mean, what can you do? That sport, sometimes it happens. So maybe that's just yeah. the rub of the green for them. And, Certainly playing on the road for, for six weeks in a row is tough. But, again, they knew that coming in. They're gonna, yeah. It's going to be that way forever, right? So that's yes. something that you've got to learn to deal with. But maybe the combination of the two things has just been uh, too much. But some reinforcements on the way. So that's, uh, you know, good to see. They've announced uh, Peter Nelson this week. Uh, the Canadian international can play fly high, fullback, mm-hmm. maybe center if needed. Shea Carey, uh, experienced second row coming in, much needed experience after we lost Micaiah Torrance Reed, unfortunately, for the season. Uh, Nick Ben, they announced him, he's gone for the season as well. But uh, then we got Dawson Fatorik and, uh, and and Deshaun Bowen uh, coming in from the Canada Sevens program. So mm-hmm. that uh, helps the back line as well. And Mark Antoine Willette will fill in at, at, at tight end prop after we lost both of them last weekend. So, so crazy. I mean, it's just never ending. So, uh, yeah, concern, sure. Uh, but going into the season, we really, you know, I think ex- expectations were kind of tempered. Nobody really knew if it was going to be, you know, uh, it had the potential if everybody was healthy to be a pretty decent side. But there was always that, that question of, you know, with so many, uh, you know, so much turnover in the offseason of whether they would be. So I, right. I don't think expectations were super high. So, you know, I, I'm expecting a much stronger second half, obviously, with more home games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's something that our good buddy James uh, Deli uh, was talking about uh, today. Is it, it's uh, he's trying to call it Fort uh, Toronto, yeah. which we took exception with. I mean, yeah. you guys have a great <laughs> winning percentage uh, there in Toronto and the surrounding areas there that you've played at. So that's encouraging because you're gonna you're gonna have so many home games coming up. But with all of these injuries, I really wonder what Toronto team that we will see. You know, in these next couple of games, obviously the Free Jacks will be playing them next weekend. Uh, recording this one right now prior to them playing. I believe New York is uh, you guys have uh, for your first home opener there. Yeah, it's New York uh, tomorrow. Uh, and, of course, uh, you guys have uh, Chicago. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, and this is going to be a tough one for Toronto, even though it's the home opener. So that's a big boost. And, uh, you know, yeah. looking at New York's lineup, they're probably missing a couple guys as well. So, you know, maybe there's a chance there. I mean, both teams not at full strength. I think for the Arrows, it's going to take it probably a couple of weeks to really get some, some bodies back in there and get a little closer to, to strength and feel more, you know, at home, <laughs> to, yeah. so to speak. But that's a tough ask. I mean, what, New York and then, uh, and then New England and then Seattle back. That's to, tough, know, man. Uh, that is a I murderer's mean, row right there yeah, for sure. That's so- a gauntlet. That, that's unfortunate and uh, that's just the way it goes so yeah you know i'm certainly uh you know I, i'd like them to play the spoiler role maybe they can uh, get one over on seattle i mean that's a tough trip mm-hmm. for them so uh but sure. uh yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens well let's not forget that new england went up to toronto last year on a 10 game winning streak i followed them uh up there in fact we were on the same plane together to get to toronto and, and new england just did not play their best game and, and obviously lost that game i think it was 1833 final yeah. score broke the the streak uh so yeah that, that now hopefully that doesn't happen this time around from a wow. free jacks fan perspective to be yeah. fair, they had uh, you know a, a bit more of an inexperienced side that they brought, and I yes. think they ran into a couple of uh, uh, gastrointestinal issues before <laughs> that game that didn't help. But uh, yeah, and certainly I, I remember that one. So maybe there's a little bit of that magic left in the arrows in the next couple of weeks. Could be, could be. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, we're talking about the injury crisis for Toronto, but what have you seen from them so far this season? What has stood out on their on-field play that you can talk about real quick? Well, I mean, they've shown some uh, resilience. You have to give them that through all mm-hmm. the injuries and guys dropping like fly. Mitch Eady having to play inside center. I mean, did not have that one on my bingo card for this season. <laughs> that's for sure. But through yeah. all of that, I mean, that game against Utah, I thought they were going to get absolutely steamrolled. And, you know, the final score obviously did not look good. But for, for the first hour, I mean, they were winning at, at 61 minutes into the game, which was a shock to me. So that really shows you the character uh, of the players on this team. So I think mm-hmm. that's really something they've got to look at as, as a strength. They've had some issues. I think the lineout continues to plague this team and it has plagued them for about three years. I wish they would spend a little bit more time on that or figure out why it is that they can't get that right. But that's mm-hmm. been a big problem. Um, but you know, it's really the injuries and the disruption that's been the, the biggest problem. So, uh, you know, uh, that you just got to find a way to deal with that. Cause, uh, like I said, that's, that's pro sports, especially in, in, in the sure. contact arena. Absolutely. You know, it's a game of attrition and right now Toronto's losing that game. Unfortunately, uh, let's talk about the identity of this arrows team. If everybody was healthy, what type of game of rugby do they ideally want to play? Well, I think what we haven't seen a lot of is Noel Reed at inside center. I think the point of bringing him in is, is really he's played a lot of fly half, but uh, more of an inside center, but really a playmaker. So, uh, you know, he gives you that width of attack, that that second distributor option. And then, you know, I, I would almost like to see the three uh, distributors where you've got, you know, say O'Leary or I guess Nelson maybe now at, at 10 and then mm-hmm. Sammy Malcolm at 15 and Noel Reed at at 12, that gives you a lot of options to move the ball wide and use those dynamic runners out wide. Cole Davis, he's been injured most of the season. Fabian Goodall has been forced to play in the midfield. He's really a, a winger. Uh, you know, those kinds of strike runners out wide. Nick Ben, I mean, lasted 10 minutes, made a big hit, and that's season over, which is, a, you know, just terrible and fortunate. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, th- I think that's uh, ideally the game they wanted to play is, you know, Tautala Tassi Tassi. He's another guy injured, played a couple games, and look like a pretty solid runner at 13 those outside channels you exploit those and then you can Mm -hmm. attack the middle i think a more expansive game was really 
what they were intending this season. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. with all the injuries, it just hasn't worked out. Right. You know, with all the injuries that we're talking about here, you can't really play the game that you want to play uh, with the guys that you have out there right now. So it's unfortunate we're not seeing the arrows at full strength. But uh, I don't think the Free Jacks are going to give them any sympathy uh, when they come up there to, uh, what is it, York Stadium uh, next weekend? York Lions Stadium, yeah. There you go. There you go. One of the storylines going into this game is the exodus of some of the Arrows' best players uh, to New England. We've got Andrew Quatron, Cole Keith, and Spencer Jones all have contributed for the Jacks on the pitch. Currently, Toronto is dead last in the Eastern Conference right now with six points. New England, obviously, at the top of the Eastern Conference with 20 points. So the big question right now that I have for you, Brian, maybe the most important question in the interview, is Toronto the development side for the Free Jacks now? Yeah, jeez. Yeah, Tom Conley can really uh, send a you know, <laughs> note of thanks to the Arrows for all for those sure. players who have all been excellent, by the way. I, I yeah. Think- uh, you know, particularly Cole Keith switching back to tight head prop has been absolutely outstanding this season. Yep. I love to see that. Uh, Q looks like he's enjoying himself there. Certainly, you yep. know, I had a chat with with uh, Ben Lesage, also another former Arrow down there, mm-hmm. and he said he's mm-hmm. loving Boston. And Spencer, you know, he's kind of been filling that, uh, you know, utility role. He's going to start at fullback tomorrow. But Yes, he is, yep. But he's looked good in the minutes that he's he's had on the field. He had a couple starts there in the, in the midfield, so – uh, I think all of those guys are enjoying this. It, it, you know, it, it's just something maybe they, they needed a, a change of scenery. And uh, sometimes that can really, you know, be refreshing mm-hmm. in, a, in an athlete's career. And it certainly is working out that way in Boston. They've got a great environment. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that's kind of the end of that exodus <laughs> from the Arrows. And it could be more of, uh, you know, now that we've got a kind of a new look team, keep as many of those guys together moving forward. So uh, to answer that question, I hope we're not the feeder anymore. <laughs> and next year, maybe uh, we get the Arrows and the Free Jacks fighting it out here at the top of the Eastern Conference. For sure. I think that's what everybody wants to really see is Toronto not doing as poorly as they have because you know we talk about this we've talked about this many times it is a rivalry game in the eastern conference but it doesn't feel as rivalry ish uh as to, you know for the likes of like in terms of a comparison like new york or maybe even dc is really coming on as a, a true rivalry helped by the way by this you know this show talking a lot of shit online uh <laughs> but uh, we have banner fuel right now with you guys because again it seems like your best players have come to the free decks, you know? So um, if that happens at the end of this season, going into the next season, you know that we're going to have a little bit more chat to talk about that as well, because it's kind of an interesting development. If some of these players are like, I don't know, Toronto's not really for me anymore. I'm just going to go to the free decks, you know, and we're doing better than you are. It's it's yeah. going to be an interesting thing for sure. Um, it's certainly going to be a fun game to see those guys lining up against the heroes. Right. And, uh, right. Looking forward to that. Hopefully we'll have all of those guys starting against their former team. That That's going to be absolutely electric, I'm sure. And we'll help with the rivalry, absolutely. <laughs> um, real quick, on this show in the offseason, uh, in our way-too-early prediction for the Arrows, you had them as 9-7, uh, and seven, nine wins, seven losses. How are you feeling about that prediction yeah. six <laughs> games in with one win? Like, They're going to have to go on a little bit of a streak to get absolutely. there, Absolutely. Yeah, right, that's yeah. not going to happen. But, uh, you know, uh, that that kind of tempered response, normally, uh, you know, a diehard Arrows fan might be like, oh, we're going to go 14 and two or something right, like right, that. Right. So I knew that it was going to be a, a challenging season. And I think uh, my somewhat optimistic prediction <laughs> it was was kind of a, a hint or a reflection on that. Is, uh, so 
you know, I think uh, if they can come out of the second half of the season with a winning record with all these home games that, mm-hmm. you know, five and three out of those last eight games anyways, I think I would target, then uh, then we can call that, uh, you know, a decent showing uh, for what the Arrows have gone through this year. Absolutely. I think that's a very, very good way to put it. You know, you'll want to be confident in your team, especially with um, the upcoming home games that they have. And, and again, uh, you know, James, he's providing the stats and the stats don't lie. You guys are really, really good at home. I don't think you're uh, quite fort level. Uh, I wouldn't call you a <laughs> fort yet or anything like that. Let's stay away from that. But um, I wanted to ask you, because last time that the Free Jacks were in Toronto, we talked about this a moment ago. Obviously, the Jacks losing that game, ending a 10-game winning streak there at York Stadium, Lions Stadium there. Uh, How does Toronto win this game against the Free Jacks next week? Well, it's going to have to be with passion. I mean, uh, they're getting a couple bodies back this weekend. You know, hopefully maybe one more or two. We'd love to see a little bit of those front row guys anyways come back Mm -hmm. for next week. But they're just going to have to add passion, uh, you know, the Free Jacks. I mean, you guys are are, – certainly have a conference title in the picture. Uh, and I would think, uh, you know, certainly, you know, hearing the comments of, uh, you know, the guys, you know, certainly that first episode of the, uh, proven <laughs> the yeah. documentary, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's probably a title that, that they'd like to see. And certainly talking to, you know, uh, the coaches down when I was down in Boston, you know, that certainly they want success this year. So, um, that's a different mindset. So I think when you guys come up here, it'll be a strong team. It won't be like last year where there was a little bit of rotation. I I think even this weekend, we're seeing the rotation against Chicago. So I think the arrows are going to unfortunately get the brides and also Conradi and and keys are suspended this weekend. They'll be back. So I think it's going to be a really, uh, tough, uh, free Jacks lineup. I don't think they'll underestimate the arrows at all at home. Um, so it's going to have to come through through guts, especially up front from from the arrows pack to really mm-hmm. front up against what are, what are pretty uh, tough uh, free jacks front and straight through the bench. I mean, whether it's a five three or six two split on the bench, those guys, mm-hmm. the forwards that are coming off the bench this year have all been outstanding. I mean, everybody. Yeah. So to have that kind of depth and rotation, you're seeing the front rows switch every game right around that fifty minute mark, and that's because mm-hmm. they have so much faith and the guys coming on. So I don't think the arrows quite have that right now, that kind of depth, but if they're going to win that game, I think they've got to start quick and they've got to uh, really put pressure on that, that pack, especially, uh, you know, I I would say the scrum where the free Jacks have looked really good. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, if the arrows can somehow get some kind of a nudge on them in the first half and put some pressure on them, that might help, but uh, it's, it's got to come with, with guts to win that game. It's a very great way to put it for sure. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, if you look at it on paper, the Free Jacks have so much depth. And if they're bringing, you know, their best squad, obviously Josh Larson out for the season. That's something that you broke uh, yesterday. Um, you know, we don't have our best team available, but we've got some really, really damn good players. If you look at our bench on, on the 23 there, all of those guys can pretty much start on pretty – almost any team, right? I mean, the depth on the Free Jacks is unreal. It's just, it's just a wealth of talent for sure that they've accumulated, and that's something that they talked about in the offseason, wanting to do. I was a little skeptical at like, well, geez, I mean, if you're going to bring all these guys in, most of these guys are starters from other teams, so are they going to be happy the entire season? But the, the culture that has been built up at the Free Jacks is definitely one that is very impressive and really kind of doesn't 
warrant uh, that type of uh, negativity. I guess it's just my general sports, uh, you know, mindset of like, oh man, this is going to be a bad situation in locker room. Yeah. But it hasn't been right because on the on field, uh, you know, situation is very, very good. Uh, four and two were a little bit spoiled here in Free Jacks land. Four and two, you know, a uh, really good record for sure. And uh, the things that they need to fix, it's pretty. It's not like groundbreaking stuff they just have to finish better uh in the 22 of the opponent and maybe cut down on the the disciplinary issues yeah i think discipline is the big thing that's been hampering them and they've certainly obviously talked about that uh you know you notice that jesse peretti after he got his uh, red card he was uh, suspended for a week but he actually sat out an extra week because they said you've got to earn your spot to get back in this team right you know so they've certainly talked about the discipline the other thing i would say you know i spoke about the arrows line and i think uh you know the free their lineup hasn't quite been as sharp as well. You know, they don't have the the, the Stan Vandenhoven this year, that towering right. guy in the lineup. Yes. You know, Keys is their tallest guy. Uh, they don't have a lot of height in that back row, so mm-hmm. they have to get a little bit creative, and it's all about timing and accuracy. And they're getting there. I mean, I think they're they're working hard on that. So those two mm-hmm. things. And the other, I mean, the scary thing about the Free Jacks, you have to think about. LaRue Milan is coming off the bench. That's the first time he's played this season right. uh, playing tomorrow. Regan O'Gorman hasn't played yet. He'll be back in a couple weeks. Slade mm-hmm. McDowell hasn't played yet. He was one of the outstanding flankers so last year. Crazy. He's coming yeah. in. And there might be another player on the way in who oh, might he... be a little influential when he, when he arrives. So interesting. I, I think yes. I think the Free Jacks have a lot to look forward to in the yeah. second half. I, I'm really gutted for Josh Larson. Uh, that, that he's had to make that call, but it's the right yeah. call. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he could have played through this and tried to tough it out, but he risked further damage to the shoulder. So get the sh- surgery done and, there you, go. and you know, come back strong for next season. So it's unfortunate for him, but he's still going to be there. He's still such an influential presence yeah. off the field. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to see the free Jacks in the second half. Me too, man. Of course. And, you know, with us, it's like title town. That's what the documentary was talking about. It really led you into the whole idea of championships or a normalcy in this area. And it's almost expected that you win a championship. And that type of mentality is important to have for franchises. Otherwise, like, what's the point? Like, if you're not there to win it, like, why are we even bothering? You know, some teams, you know, aren't, don't have that mentality. The the fans are very, very easy. It's very laid back. Like, oh, we're just happy to have rugby. Yee-hee. You know, we got a professional rugby team. But um, ultimately, around this area, that just doesn't fly. You have to be very, very hyper-competitive in this market. Final question for you. What is your score prediction for this game? For Free Jacks Toronto? Yes, sir. Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Oh, jeez. See, that, the issue with running this before this weekend's game is we haven't seen <laughs> how many flies are going to drop, right? right. Yeah. Um, ah, jeez. All right. I'm going to put my, my Arrows Homer hat on for this one and say the Arrows upset them 24-21. They pull out a miracle. The uh, I think I said this the last time you asked me that. Sammy Malcolm, penalty okay. goal, 79th minute to win the game. Um, I love the optimism. I don't think it's going to go down that way. But then again, again, this is a team that lost at your place last time around. So there is, that is definitely in the back of my mind. I made that trip. By the way, absolutely love Toronto. I thought it was awesome. I was really, really enjoying my time there other than the game itself. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a good place. I should get there <laughs> with these states. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should go back for a little homecoming for yourself there. Mm-hmm. All right. With that being said, I will have one word to exit the video, and you can say it as well because you are truly a, a Free Jacks fan. Uh, <laughs> in three, two, one, huzzah. huzzah. Huzzah! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers show. I am joined with my brother, David McVeigh. We go call him 
Diamond Dave. Dave, how the hell are you? I am doing fantastic, Phil. Feeling really good after a nice long holiday weekend. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad, man. You know, just uh, got a dental teeth cleaning uh, today, so feeling pretty good. Got that squeaky uh, feeling. Exactly. Those. Exactly. So very good. Uh, I wanted to talk specifically about the Free Jacks. They were wearing a very special kit at this game. It was the City Kit Edition. Um, did you want to give the uh, auction uh, information? Yeah, absolutely. Those uh, jerseys, the match-worn jerseys, are being auctioned off through Dash. And um, this, these auction sales benefit the Free Jacks Foundation that... Mm -hmm. that is how they fund youth rugby and uh, develop, growth and development in the New England region. So supporting mm -hmm. a really good cause. Um, you can get those blue jerseys with the, the ocean wave crashing and the lighthouse on them. Really excellent. Um, if you The easiest way is probably to just pull up the Free Jack social media, their Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, mm -hmm. and just check their feed for a link to the auction. It's through Dash. Uh, which is an auction platform. And uh, I'm scrolling through the auctions right now. It looks like almost all of the uh, jerseys have at least a couple bids on them. Some of them are pretty high. Joel Hintz's jersey up to $335 right nice. now. So really looking to make some, some good money for the Free Jacks Foundation. And, uh, you know, there's another day in a few hours. I think the auctions close Tuesday at midnight into Wednesday. Um, okay. So if you're listening live or if, uh, you know, you're just checking later, get a bit in. Yeah, it's, it goes to a great cause. Obviously, you know, we're all about youth rugby here and the, the growth of the game in the New England area. So uh, that's very exciting. Um, last year, if you recall, we didn't have a city kit. It was only the Irish Heritage jersey that was presented <clears throat> as the alternate jersey but this year obviously we do have that city kit you know some people don't like it some people like it i think i'm somewhere in the middle i don't think it's i don't think it's great i don't think it's bad it's just somewhere in the middle and most of the city kits if you look at them across the league most of them are pretty terrible anyway so i think we're we're middle of the road there's some teams like new york for instance that don't even look like they tried they literally just put new york on the front and then put a blue border <laughs> around it you know, I mean, it. you know, there's a couple good ones out there like Nola's. I think you were saying this in the Outriders chat that it would be a great T-shirt. It doesn't look like a great jersey, but that concept is pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah. And like good fan jersey because like you're not playing in the game. Right. You know, it doesn't matter how you look on TV because nobody's looking at you from a camera that's 100 yards away. Mm -hmm. But uh, And Nola's was just a, a gator, like really yeah. cool colors, like a very detailed gator that just takes up the whole front of the shirt um and so some of them yeah some of the city jerseys are uh a little bit um just kind of unsurprising it's a chance yeah. for teams to do something creative and something a little bit different you know our city jersey at new england obviously an homage to the you know new england coast something mm -hmm. that is a major part of the new england aesthetic but isn't really a big part of the free jacks branding so it was a right. chance for them to bring that in mm -hmm. and do something a little bit new a little bit interesting um so i don't know if you're if you're out there and you're on these clubs and you're deciding what to do with these jerseys do some do something cool let's get yeah. weird uh free jacks, free jacks ones i agree definitely toward the top of the pack mm -hmm. um 
of the league. As they always are, you know. Yeah. Even when they're not great, they're still better than most. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I think my favorite detail is actually the, the waves on the sleeves. Yeah. The sleeve, like almost like a cuff on the sleeve, but it's, mm -hmm. you know, the wave pattern. It's pretty cool. For sure. Let's talk about the game. It took place, uh, you know, we're playing Chicago over the weekend. It was pretty nice weather on Saturday, a little chilly in the shade, but you could it could have been a lot worse. It could have been raining, right? So there was no yeah. rain. So that certainly brought out the fans for the third home game at Fort Quincy. Saw a lot of sailor hats in the crowd. I was wearing one myself. I had the corn cob pipe, which people really seem to appreciate. Yeah, it's a good uh, touch. So yeah, see, like everybody was enjoying themselves. The opening band was great. The stage that was set up for Orleans was really nice. We didn't stay for the concert. I don't know if you did, but uh, what were your overall thoughts of the Yacht, Yacht Rock Festival, Dave? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Fans seem to be into it. It's mm -hmm. good because everybody's got a Hawaiian shirt, right? Like right. this is this is a a low bar festival in terms yeah. of fan participation. You don't have to you don't have to look weird. You don't have to dress up really. Throw on a Hawaiian shirt. There were a lot of those same captain's hats. I think we all got off Amazon. It's mm -hmm. funny to walk around. Yes. Oh yeah. You. 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 Good. Um, yeah. It was great. We got there kind of late. We had, you know, the the beginnings. Our youth soccer life has begun. Mm, so we okay. were coming straight from kids soccer games, but uh, we made it about 10, 15 minutes before halftime. We were actually in line getting food when the when they kicked off. Okay. Um, and. Uh, we did. We had a great time. Kids did the Easter egg hunt with Woogie Woogie Egg Hunt. I think they called it. They did a little huh. kids parade before the game. Um, the kids walked out on the field and they kind of have them walk around the perimeter of the field. So okay. Toward the, I guess it's the north end of the field, um, the concession stand end, mm -hmm. general uh, admission standing room side. So they walk them around that side of the field and then out the other gate. Um, and so they did that. They got some Easter eggs and candy. And cool. uh, we got all settled in for the match. And it was not super warm, but it had been like 32 degrees at soccer that morning. So we were quite mm. happy mm -hmm. to be in the 50s and sunny. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great time. Really enjoyed it. I wanted to thank, uh, thank Broccoli Guy for making the trip all the way from Seattle in his spring break period uh, for school. Uh, all the way to New England. Uh, he's got some family in the area, so he stayed with them. It, we're his Eastern Conference team, Dave, which is a, yeah. is a great honor for sure. So he, he, see, he saw us last year. He's seen us this year, and hopefully we can make that a tradition. He was up there in the uh, towards the top of the uh, Section 5. I like to call it the Rowdy Rangers section, doing his dances with the Broccoli. Really enjoyed hanging out with him. He's a, he's a great guy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You, you and Broccoli Guy are on the broadcast a little bit. At one point, they cut to him, and they're you know, doing. Of course, it's a great broadcast thing. So it's you know, you your eyes aren't fooling you. That's Broccoli Guy here in New England. Usually, Hilarious. he's in Seattle. Had his Mariners cap on, so everybody yeah. knew. Yeah, it was great. And you're you're there on your full captain get up with your corn cob pipe, chatting yep. it up. It's a good it's a good shot. Always a lot of fun in Section Five. Absolutely, 100%. Let's get to the game real quick here. We had the magician John Poland having an all-star type of season so far, picked up a spilled ball from the Chicago scrum and was off to the races. He did a spin move against Julian uh, Dominguez that got him an actual, uh, actually an HRA check uh, for yeah, the first he, points. Yep. He went off. He didn't come back. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually kind of similar to what happened to Mitch in utah where yep. he thought he was going to make a tackle on one side of his body 
JP does a spin move and he kind of tries to adjust and he ends up just basically putting his head into, you know, right. and the wrong uh, area. Uh, yep. I think I said Mitch maybe, but uh, JP yeah, spins around mm-hmm. and, and I don't know exactly what body part of JP's that he hits, but he whacks the side of his head on him as he's making the cut. And uh, yeah, he went off and wouldn't, wouldn't come back. Obviously never good when a player gets hurt, yep. never root for injuries, but when they lose one of their best players in the first few minutes, it is something you know from a competitive standpoint that uh, moves the notch, the needle bit. towards us. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Because exactly. he's a great player. It's a shame he that is, we didn't yeah. get to see him play um, the full eighty to a certain extent. Because he, he definitely could have burned us. But uh, I wanted to mention that that was the first points of the game. That was nine minutes in. Um, interestingly enough, his opposite scrum half is uh, Sean Yakubian, who spent the first two seasons with the Jacks before being traded to Chicago prior to the start of the 2023 season. It was almost like a um, Jedi Master and the Padawan <laughs> here, and the Jedi Master got one over on him. Yeah, Conversion was no good. Five to zero Jacks on top. What were you going to say? Uh, no, just I love I'm I've been on the record several times on the show as being mm-hmm. you start players against their old team. That's right. You know, if it's if there is even even close to parity, even even if they're normally maybe a little bit less preferred, as long as you can, if it makes sense, mm-hmm. I think you start players against their old team. They always come out with fire. And I actually thought right. Sean Jacobian had a had a great game. He was he was playing hard, uh, looked very focused. For sure. Uh, a forward pass canceled out a great team effort try that was scored by Ben Lesage in the 20th minute, but the Jacks immediately responded with a little set-piece play that eventually leads to a great um, Andrew Quatran offload to new captain Mitch Jacobson, who scored an automatic try, uh, or automatic seven try, I should say, giving the Jacks a 12-0 lead 22 minutes in. How were you feeling at that point, Dave? Uh, pretty good. You know, a couple minutes before that try, there was, uh, I think, a turnover or maybe just a penalty advantage. Um, Taniella ripped a long run mm-hmm. off right. of um, a uh, pass from JP to Ben Lesage. Yes. So ben Lesage commits a couple defenders, gets it wide to Taniella. Taniella goes running 35, you know, yards down the down the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, it was unfortunately a forward pass back inside to Ben Lesage. Yes. So Ben gets in and, and touches it down. We actually went down, did the huzzahs and everything. Yep. Um, and then came up and it was, oh, it's under review. Turns out the you know pass was forward by a couple feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was so great is two minutes later, boom, pressure doesn't relent. You know, they yep. came back for a free jacks penalty so we'd had advantage when when that play broke out so came back we got the penalty kicked for a line out caused a little bit of pressure and you know got through great run by quatrin to set it up Mm -hmm. uh, breaks a couple tackles and then offloads to jacobson and um you know it was a great first 20 minutes what more can you ask for exactly yeah i mean i think um there was a couple of opportunities there that they did not execute. So I was feeling a little frustrated, but ultimately if you've got a situation where you're, you're, you're up, you know, at 10 minutes into the game, you've scored already. And then you have some adversity take place where a call get you know, a try gets called back, but you immediately respond. You can't complain too much with that scenario at all. Yeah. Um, going forward, it was JP Eloff scored in the corner for Chicago's first points in the game, twelve to seven at halftime. Overall, first half thoughts, Dave. Uh, great match. 
it felt like we were winning the collision pretty consistently, which mm-hmm. I thought was something that would be it was important. Um, Chicago was beginning to come together yes. a little bit. They they started to to gel as a team the last I don't know ten or so minutes in that in that half, um, and they were beginning to particularly in attack like ball in hand. They were starting to look a little bit more capable than they had looked for the first half hour of the game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a good first half. Um, and we needed some Chicago mistakes in there that we were, right. that seemed to be uh, fading away, if yes. that makes sense. Right. Like yep. we had kind of fed off some of their mistakes, but then it, it looked like they were not going to be making as many for the remainder of the match for a little right. bit. So, some tension, a little bit of good tension, you know. We we came out ahead when we got those opportunities, mm-hmm. and then it was looking pretty tight. There were a couple other things in the first half that I enjoyed. Twenty three minutes in, Chicago got a back chat penalty, just the good old, you know, hand doing Muppet mouth motions. Mm-hmm. This is unironically my wife's favorite thing about rugby. <laughs> when somebody gets a back chat penalty, she yeah. absolutely loves it. There are n- <laughs> like no crybabies allowed in rugby. Right. You're not allowed to, not allowed to be a crybaby. Yep. You get a penalty called on you for being a crybaby. Mm-hmm. So don't complain about calls. No crybabies in rugby. Uh, a few minutes after that, Zach Bastris ran a guy down from behind. The Puma just showing the pace. Um fun to see uh yeah it was a good it was a very lively first half it was very uh very exciting and felt really good going into the second just talking about zach uh and philomone for a moment here both of them are like kind of considered at this point i think it's fair to say it's like second choice wingers but it's good to see them you know getting minutes and stuff like that i think philomone especially for the first couple games you really needed to settle in he made some mistakes in the for opening couple of games and i'm just like uh oh this is not looking good but i feel like he's really you know he, obviously he's impressed in practice to mm-hmm. get starts and stuff like that and i think he had a really really solid game so i wanted to kind of give him a shout out and zach as well a guy that we think has tremendous potential and, and just his raw speed um he can also kick catch ball he can do it all so i'm really excited to see those guys come along and get uh rotation minutes and stuff like that so it was good to see them but i wanted to mention in the second half here chicago came storming out of the gates and took the lead in the second half with a line out to mall try scored by luke white in the 49th minute conversion was good chicago 14 new england 12 nervous at all um yeah, I mean, the Chicago were looking good. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly looked like this was not a runaway victory yep. um, for the Free Jacks. Before the game started, I I texted a friend of mine who's a Chicago fan um, who's, you know, gotten excited this season and, and just told him, you know, like, Steve, uh, today I hope we beat the bag off you. Like, just, ab- you know, I want to I beat you by 30 points. Um, because like, I felt like we, you know, that was the sort of momentum that we wanted going into, you know, turning the corner, basically coming into the halfway point. We got one more match and then we're at halfway. Yeah. Right. And wanting to really start to build ahead of steam, pushing toward the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, and it didn't at that point feel like we were going to have that 30 point victory. So Mm -hmm. maybe not nervous, but certainly seeming like more of a competitive game than uh it 
was cracked up to be. I saw an interesting Reddit post about, I'm not a gambler, um, but it was about teams beating the spread, showing that the Free Jacks are one of the worst teams in terms of beating the spread hmm. because, which basically just means that the the people setting the, um, you know, the returns on the bets are overhyping the Free Jacks. That the, gotcha. they're, you know, they're, they're, we're like two and six or, or two, I guess it would be two and five, something, yeah, two and five now against mm-hmm. the spread. Um, and one of the worst teams in the league performing against the spread. So I guess you're not, if you've been betting on the Free Jacks, you're probably not making money because they keep not making the spread. Interesting. Um, and so, yeah, we get these close victories, but I mean, that's always been the Free Jacks style. Is to kind of you know, keep yeah. it close, yep. hang in the game. I mean, occasionally they'll they'll just absolutely hang one on somebody. There's that mm-hmm. Nola game last yeah, year. Yeah, right? last year that was um, awesome. Yeah, but generally, um, it's not. I don't know. It's just not just not that kind of team that's out there just firing artillery right and left and uh, uh, blowing teams out of the water. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think as fans, we can start start beginning to feel comfortable yes. in these situations. Like, yep. not you can't take it for granted, obviously, but we've seen that these guys perform in close games. They win yes. a lot of close games, mm-hmm. um, so it just brings like a, an enjoyable tension, right? It's it's a little bit almost like reading a book where you're like, well, we're going to get an ending. Like, you know, like it's going to work out. <laughs> don't exactly know how everything is going to work out. And it might not work out the way I want it to, but that, you know, even that might be okay. Like it's going to be good. Like the ride is going to be a good one. I got to tell you, being on the other side of that in other sports uh, as a supporter, it sucks losing close games over, over yeah. and over again consistently. So I'm glad to be on this side of it for the free jacks. Um, there's a really, really huge moment in this game that I have yet to get to, and I'm going to yeah. do it right now because it's the triumphant return of <laughs> a New England fan favorite, LaRue Milan, who will be on this show later this month, guys. LaRue uh, stormed through the Chicago defense to score his first try of the season in his first appearance of the season after at the 58, or excuse me, 57th minute. Conversion was good. 1914, 57 minutes in. I'm just to back up for a second. I was extremely frustrated when um, Chicago scored that try because basically it's it's um, they scored before the half mm-hmm. and they scored right after the half. Right. Um, and and when that happens, I get a little testy in the audience because I'm thinking, well, you want to be the last team to score and you want to be the first team to score in the second yeah. half. Um, that's something that I think we should be doing all the time. And when I see that that is not the case, I get a little um, frustrated. And I, I was definitely doing a lot of this right here in the, in the crowd. <laughs> um, there were some other factors that, that we won't get into here, but I was a little fired up. So, um, you know, to see that um, LaRue, uh, who we've been anxiously awaiting his return all season long, came into the game, and within three minutes of him being subbed in, he's scoring a try and yeah. diving across the line. Uh, the kid is absolute magic. He is special. I hope he stays here a long time. Um, just so happy to have him back. And the really the nail in the coffin takes place not, not too far after that. What took place was Foster the Beaver 
yeah. DeWitt, a.k.a. Fozzie, sliced and diced his way through the defense of Chicago after crocodile hunter Joel Hintz knocked a Chicago defender into next week a few <laughs> phases prior to that. Uh, the Beaver dotted down the ball for another Jacks try. The Beaver really wanted to get on the score sheet this week. A friend of his from his old club had died of cancer, sadly oh, wow. enough, so he wanted to get a try in hit this uh, friend's honor, and he was able to do that this week for the fir- his first try of the season, so the conversion was good. That put it 26-14, and I really felt like it was kind of out of reach for Chicago at that point. Um, so very, very excited, you know, excited to see those two tries in a row for the Free Jacks to really put some distance on the on the score sheet there. Although Chicago didn't bow out of the contest, though, 72 minutes in, they were knocking on the door and a back aided mall got them over the line for a try. Conversion was no good, although in the stands, it sure as hell looked good to me and a lot of people that were around us. Yeah, was is it uh, Matina that takes the conversions? He yes. certainly thought it was good. Yep. He like he did the TMO. He did the I I on rewatching it. I didn't spend a lot of time looking at it. I only uh-huh. I didn't. Frankly, I only watched it the one time that they showed it. Um, but it I think it was wide right. It was mm-hmm. close, but it it looks on the broadcast camera. I think it's a little more clear. It looks wide to the right. Um. But it, it it looked like it had enough hook. I think the problem is it looked like it was hooking in. Yes. So you can it, it see did. that it's hooking in the direction it needs to go. It just didn't quite hook enough. Mm-hmm. So it like hooks around the far post rather than gotcha. hooking in front of the far post, which is what it kind of looks like it does. Um, the other thing here was that 60 minutes between the Milan try, for which mm-hmm. in my notes I just wrote the return of the king. Um <laughs> Right after Milan's try, Matina is yellow carded for a deliberate knock. Um, okay. And yep. to me, that kind of let the air back out from that like first 20 minutes that was um, a little bit not dicey, but like you said, Chicago got a lot of momentum off of the final score in the first half, first score in the second half. Um, and the card really helped to reset that. Mm-hmm. momentum a little bit yes um, obviously with the tries that came right before and then five minutes after it as well so that that stretch there from like 57 minutes to 67 minutes that's mm-hmm. milan try matina yellow card fozzy try to me that was when it was like okay yep. like we're this this seems yeah. like we're firmly in control again yep um and was a good moment. And it was the Fozzy try where you and Broccoli Guy, as well as Barb and, and Kenny are all there like celebrating and high five. And it's a great, it's a great shot. It's it's That's fun awesome. when you know the people on TV. You're, you're like, yeah, yeah for I'm, sure. I'm hung out with all of them. That's great. Right. Yeah, I kept uh, looking back because Broccoli Guy was behind me, which he's, he was his back was to the media box there because he didn't want to be anybody's way. Nicest right. guy in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I kept high-fiving him with the broccoli in hand. It was pretty funny. Yeah, my daughter noticed him eating it. She's like, wait, what? He sure he did. eats it? Like, yep. yeah, he eats it. That's the whole point. There was some people standing like maybe a row ahead of me that were asking him questions. And he had just a mouthful of broccoli as he was answering the questions <laughs> at one point because he was just snacking. Yep. Yeah, so great. 
Um, Chicago kicked away possession, and LaRue Milan finished them off with an amazing yeah. kick that found a late addition to the 23, Paula Bellincana. That that was supposed to be Jason Potras, but I believe he's been sick all last week. So I guess it was like yep. maybe a, a late addition to the squad for Paula. To, I think he was just supposed to be rested because he wasn't on the injury sheet at all when it was initially announced. He dotted down the try in the corner, which uh, brings his total to five tries on uh, the MLR website. I thought it was six, but I did double-check uh, yesterday when I was typing my notes, and it says five tries on the season. Conversion was no good. 31-19, the Jacks held off a try-line push by Chicago in red clock time. That's just what I'm calling it, guys, sure. uh, to end the game. Overall match thoughts, Dave? Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Chicago are, you know, we talked about in the preview, a lot of pieces just waiting to be arranged correctly and used correctly. Um and I can't people believe, are just Chris, yeah. I can't believe Chicago lost the free jacks. This was supposed to be the start of a dynasty. I don't um, who believe knows? that that's our good friend Bozo that made that uh, comment. I don't uh, know what the see. hell is going on with uh Facebook. Uh, yeah, we're not Facebook. getting the we're not yeah, getting we're the not names getting coming users, through. Yeah. Um go ahead. No, I just I, I think that it was a really fun game. I mean, between the weather, the whole the whole event was phenomenal and mm -hmm. i i went to the concert we actually stayed for the entire concert afterwards okay. and we had a fantastic time there were players from both teams out hanging out i actually said like went over took a selfie with mason coke uh, or cook from um the hounds i went over and talked to charlie abel a little bit the tight head of course i found, went and found the tight head prop for the hounds um yep. and talked to them but on top of that, almost the entire Free Jacks team was there signing autographs, meeting people. Mm -hmm. I got a bunch of new signatures on the Huzzah sign. Nice. So that was pretty cool. Uh, we chatted with Scott Matthew for a while. My wife and I did. She really likes him. She's like a, she is a, uh, um, a Scott Matthew fan now. She's like, yeah. he's cool. He's a good guy. I like him. Yes. It's good. Um, he said, this is what it's like back in South Africa. He said, like this, is what, this is what we do after yep. the match. The, the kids are down here playing. You're standing around having a beer. You know, they had, the four, they had the foresight to just win. They opened up the gates to let people onto the field for the concert and autograph signing. Mm -hmm. They just rolled the beer carts right out there with them. You know, Brilliant. just like, come on out, guys. Like, here yep. it is. Pied Piper. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Like, come get your beers in the sun on the pitch. Our kids played rugby. They tossed the ball around. So um, cool they just hung out i mean my daughters loved it just getting mm -hmm. out there getting autographs uh abby got pr probably 15 new autographs on her that's ball. awesome um and it was just it was really good the the players seemed to be having a good time it was very social and one mm -hmm. of the people that uh my kids were all tackling other each other and me and and having a good time so it's just some random kids right just yeah you know, as kids do just like, oh, you got a ball? I'll tackle you. You tackle me. It's all good. <laughs> so my wife was talking to um, the mother of the kids that, that we were playing with. Yep. And she said she had played rugby, you know, and has retired since she started a family and everything. Doesn't have as much time. Mm -hmm. But that they've come to a lot of games. And what was cool about this was that the on-the-field concert portion felt like what it feels like after a club rugby match. Right where both teams are walking around on the field, having a beer, shooting the shit, 
just, you know, hanging out. You haven't gone to the drink up yet. Like, you're not quite there, but everybody's cool. It was a great match, you know, and I have to agree. It, it really felt that way. There was a lot of camaraderie. There was a lot of um, just, like, relaxation and play. Kids everywhere. It was good. I think this is what they are going for, and I think they nailed it. Uh I, yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. Like that—that's exactly what you want, and, and it's nice to have it at this. Uh, but so we're early on in MLR's history, where we this stuff can take place. Um, you know, I th if if this is as successful as we want it to be, there will be more of a separation between, you know, player and fans. Just yeah. that's just the natural course of things. But it's so great that we're living in a time where we can interact with these guys and. You know, they're just they act like everyday people because they're not millionaires and there's no ego involved. And so obviously yeah. with rugby culture, it's not going to be as bad as like the NFL down the road but and stuff like that. But it, how cool is that we get to experience it at this point? We should be all very, very grateful that this thing exists and it's being embraced in this way where it's like community first because that's really how you build this thing up. You know what I mean? So it's, it's really, really cool. You know, Free Jack's leading the way again. I think Bozo put it. You know exactly correct. Uh, you know this is an organization that we can be proud of. Um, ain't nobody else in the league do, doing this. I, I, I can't speak to that entirely. We know that there's really really good organizations outside of the Free Jacks. They're doing stuff similar to this. It's like, it's like some of them are playing catch up to the Free Jacks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, what is uh, the? Yep, it's go only going to continue. I was just going to say, you mm -hmm. know, April twenty second. Uh, is the English beat and then Alexandra K. There's concert series. Yep. Um, I I think what that means concert series is the aftermatch concerts of which Orleans yes. was the first. Right. So I'm pretty sure we have one of these for ev every match that's mm -hmm. remaining. So like every Free Jacks match that we go to, I mean, you can't don't hold me to this, but it, it looks like we'll have one of these concerts after the match open up the field and have this social moment. So I think that is fair to say because the rest of these guys, I'm not sure about the the one that you mentioned second there uh, beyond the English beat, but the rest yep. of them are known acts, you know, right. uh, dummies, yes. cherry popping daddies. Yes. And then the father's day weekend, the big, you know, the probably the biggest act that they, they have old crow medicine show. Yeah. Uh, a huge fan of theirs, you know, not everybody likes everything that I like. I understand that, but they're, they're, <laughs> they're, a, they're a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, let me see here. What else was I going to say? I wanted to go back to this comment before we go over to our last segments here. The 2023 Chicago Hounds are the dream team of the MLR, essentially the 92 dream team of rugby. Chris Lynn, January 2023. <laughs> I don't think that was his exact quote. I know that's, uh, as Bozo calls him, DC Dan now, but um, pretty close there, pretty close. And I would love to get into that if we do have a mid-season segment, if we can schedule it correctly. Because yeah. there's some talk that we have to have. There's some, there's some apologizing that we have to do to a certain extent about our – uh what do you we we all got fooled by uh chicago to a certain extent yeah. some except, more than others except though. dave lawrence right is, is i that... believe so i believe yeah. so although dave uh, also called dallas for having a great season which not is only not did he do that but he also realized. said that toronto would have a fantastic season and yeah. that shit ain't happening by the way so but he was writer uh, writer about chicago than we were he was yeah, it'd be fun to go was. back and look at that and see how wrong we all were oh yeah for sure Okay. Da, 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 da. Yes. Oh, there which I realized who Orleans was right away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you had to. I ended up googling it and just being like, okay, um, 
know exactly who that is. And then the first thing you get, obviously, is still the one. Right. And you're like, oh, I, I know that song. These mm-hmm. guys, oh, that's is their song. Like for 50 years, this these guys have been yes. the band that made that song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool. They also have a local connection. I, I I was a little bit further away from the stage so that the kids had room to play. Um, and I didn't hear everything they said, but I believe what they were saying is that the, their guitarist is from Massachusetts. I think down oh, the cave. Oh, okay. And um, that he passed away recently. Ooh. And that this is actually the first show for their new guitarist, like the replacement, but they, oh, they kind of okay. acknowledge the Massachusetts connection that the band has. Okay. Um, and so it was, it really was a, it was a good show. Uh, it seemed, they seemed to be enjoying it. Uh, it was a good, good crowd there watching them. So very positive. Right. Positive all around. Free Jacks get the win. Festival was fantastic. Let's move over to musket <laughs> size pants tent. Uh, Billy Meeks, uh, 30 years old, six foot two, 220 pounds from Manly, Australia. Uh, he played for LA Gilweenies in 2022 and 2021. He was all, he also played for the Aussie Sevens team. The guy terrorizes defenses in, in MLR. The past two seasons before this one, he beat 90 defenders, had 13 line breaks, 310 carries for 2,495 meters and scored five tries. Oh, and by the way, he's credited for 241 tackles for those two seasons as well. If I'm recalling correctly, he was the back of the year the past two seasons based on those stats. The guy is incredible. He didn't get on the score sheet um, uh, for Chicago in this game. I mean, there was so a couple moments where he had the ball where he looked a little dangerous, but I mean, this guy is an all-star MLR type of character. Um, Chicago is lucky to have him that dispersal draft. I mean, you know, it hasn't played off in terms of the results, but they are absolutely stacked. Eleven through fifteen is just a murderer's row, and once those guys gel and they get some, you know, decent forward support, they yeah. will be a force to be reckoned with. Mark my words on that. All right, let's move over to MVP, and I'll let you go first. Okay. I got a lot of things to say. <laughs> okay. Uh, front row was great. Kyle caused problems for Chicago Scrum all day. Joel Hintz, you already talked about. Uh, he played almost the entire match. I very nearly picked him. I keep saying I'm very nearly picking the tight heads. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'll call an audible when I get to the end of my uh, paragraph here. Okay. Uh, but he had a bunch of really good runs. He helped set up that Fozzie try. I bumped a few people. Uh, Quatrin set up the Jacobson try. Mills looked really good with ball in hand. He was part of that. Um, uh, uh, hence to uh, Fozzie connection. He was in there as a, as a middleman. Um, he also made a couple good plays after turnovers. Uh, he's been really good moving the ball out wide. Uh, Reese McDonald looked excellent at 10. He was the man of the match in the broadcast. Very lively, solid playmaker. He also did almost all of the kicking, not just off the tee. We didn't see as much JP box kicking with Reese out there, which I thought was interesting. That could have been an adjustment to Chicago. That could have been because Reese was at 10. We don't know exactly. But I Mm -hmm. thought that was an interesting part of the JP Reese axis was that Reese was doing a little bit more of the contested short kicking. Um, JP's always consistent. He had another great match, scored a try. Wayne Vanderbank had his trademark. Actually, you didn't tackle me moments in there (laughs) where two people think they tackled him and he just doesn't go down and keeps running. And it's like – 
Not even clear how it happened, except that he just refused to be tackled. Mm -hmm. uh, Milan came on, scored immediately, set up another try. Spencer Jones was really reliable at 15. Yep. Um, the wings were all great. Zach Bastris was very potent in the first half. He was pacey. Um, Taniela Filimone had several good runs we talked about. Would have created a big try, except for just a slightly forward pass. Um, ben Lesage was excellent especially in defense he's maybe the most comfortable playing defense player mm -hmm. i've ever seen where um he just will like let you think you got him beat and then adjust and he's totally in control um really fun to see he also had a bunch of carries he had more ball this this match than he usually has and played pretty well um jesse peretti's discipline was good again well, the really lineouts, good, yeah. lineouts were very solid um, Sam Fishley was the team player of the match, one of their sponsors, mm -hmm. um, player of the match. He had a good match, partially, uh, earned that thanks to his work in the lineout. So I think he had six lineout takes. Um, Samisi, another part of that lineout factor, you know, their third jumper, uh, all of them played very well. Fishley really seems like he's blossoming to me. This kind of was his sort of debutante game, maybe a little bit, maybe it's the warmer weather um and it's you know letting him be a little bit more comfortable but he looked he looked really good in this game joe was on his horse all match just yep. running everywhere he probably looks like he's working harder than anybody else in every game that's you can his just game tell, that's how yeah, he plays yeah you can see how much effort he is putting into it mm -hmm. uh it's really it's really fun it's one of the reasons he's probably my favorite player yeah um but and yes, I have once again mentioned every player who started. I knew it. Players man. on the bench. Uh, the I'm going train. with Miss Jacobson. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Captain. Love try it. Try scorer. 25 tackles. 25. Jesse had 24. That's Big numbers from both of them. Yep. 25 tackles, seven points, and probably the most important factor a team that looked and felt in control the whole match. Nice yeah. work, Mitch Jacobson, my man of the match. I got to tell you, there's some people, when he was announced as the captain, whatever it was, a couple weeks back, uh, as the start of his captaincy since Josh Larson is injured, there's a couple people that were like, what? Huh? But this guy has the experience in leadership, and obviously it has shown through in practices and stuff like that where the coaching staff, obviously they're aware of his resume, mm -hmm. and if people don't know what I'm talking about, you know, under-20s New Zealand captain at the World Cup. And has been captain of Waikato for a long, long time in NPC. Mm -hmm. So, you know, his actions obviously are, are speaking volumes uh, in practices and stuff like that. So, you know, to, for him as a new guy coming in from NPC to get that captaincy over other guys that we know that would be very, very capable of doing it, um, I think it speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'm really excited to see him come on and do very, very well. Yeah. For sure. And, and I think important to i like what you said about he has the resume but also it is not just his resume right like he's earned that in practice we're not mm -hmm. there but we right. know this group the leadership group and the coaching group and like That's he right. wouldn't be captain if he wasn't already acting like a captain the guys you make captain are the guys who are doing those things already right they're not going to change what they're doing because they're the captain mm -hmm. they just are the captain because they're already doing that right mm -hmm. like they're already Elite, I mean, it's leadership. Like, it's, yep. you know, you don't make somebody a leader 
and then and then they change what they're doing i mean a good leader like you, you make someone a leader because they're already leading people people are mm -hmm. already looking to them for guidance they're they're right. offering intelligent counsel and making good choices um and so i'm in addition to having that amazing resume i'm sure that jacobson's been doing that week in week out we for also sure. know he was brought in partially because of his leadership experience mm -hmm. and you know captain is I love all the guys who everybody thought should be captain. You know, one of the yeah. people were saying was Joe Johnson. Hasn't yep. he been our captain a bunch when other That's people right. were out? And yes, yes, he has. Absolutely. And he's done very well. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not a, 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 a depth chart, right? Like, you know, you don't get in ahead of another guy. You're like, well, you know, then Joe's always going to be captain over, over Mitch because he was a captain before him or has mm -hmm. been more times or whatever else. Um, you know, it's really a matter of what, does the team need that day who is the person that makes the most sense and is again already doing those things already is a leader so i i think this probably reflects more than anything just the role that mitch has taken yep. in the team since joining the team i guess that's what i'm trying to say for is sure that it is not that there's anything wrong with any of the other favorite players that we have who right. have been captains in the past and who we maybe were hoping to see have that captain because it's it's a it's an honor right like it's it's a privilege but it's it's also a duty and, and a lot of a lot of work and mm -hmm. um we also don't know like those guys could be real relieved to have mitch potentially Jacobson there as captain not in the sense that they didn't they didn't want to do it but i mean it's extra work to do yeah. on match day communicating sure. with the referee co coordinating the team you know and and not being captain lets you focus on other things i was Just captain playing, for yeah exactly one real match i've captained <laughs> old boys matches but that doesn't really count that's mostly who knows the most people on the team um, <laughs> right because you gotta like know everybody and tell them to knock it off uh i've captained one competitive match and it was like the most stressful day of rugby for me to uh and i didn't even really have to do a lot you know as captain but it just it's a different it's a different thing when you're the captain mm -hmm. out there on the field um, and we're we're fortunate to have somebody like Mitch Jacobson, who has a tremendous amount of experience mm -hmm. doing it at a very competitive level. Um, and I thought he did a great job. I agree a thousand percent. I'm going to move over to mine. I wrote down, you know, maybe two paragraphs. But I, since, you know, you're the compliment train that kind of rolls through, <laughs> I'm just going to quickly kind of boil my thoughts down here. Um, this guy comes in at a substitute at the 55th minute. Three minutes later, he's on the score sheet. It's his first action of 2023. I believe Ranger Mark mentioned it was his first touch of the game, yep. and he scores a try, which is absolutely incredible. 75th minute, his amazing laser-guided kick assisted Paula Bellincana in scoring the nail in the coffin try. LaRue Milan is a crowd favorite last year with his breakout performances. This one on Saturday is legend building stuff, having been injured all season so far and to come into the game and becoming a true factor in the victory. This guy continues to show how good he is. He's a playmaker. He's a game breaker. And I cannot wait for him to come on this show because in the background, we've kind of been working on this in the offseason. We were trying to get him on. He was busy, all this other stuff. He will be on this show April the 27th at 9 p.m. His name is LaRue Milan, and he's a damn good <laughs> rugby player. And I'm so glad he's a free jack. Absolutely. 
um, is quickly before we move over to the next segment, we're going to exit this video and then jump into another video live stream, guys. So for all the people out there that's watching, you can jump on the next one here if you would like to. Um, question for you, and it was brought up to me uh, in our email that we have, jacksrangersshow at gmail.com. Is this a selection nightmare with LaRue Milan coming back in. So just for everybody that uh, doesn't quite understand, uh, we've got Wayne Vanderbank, who has practically started every single game, I believe, at 12. And then yeah. Ben Lesage has been mostly the starter in LaRue's absence at 13 with maybe some mixtures in there at certain points. Uh, LaRue Milan last year played with uh, Wayne Vanderbank pretty much the entire year at 13. He's been injured. Yeah. Now he's back, obviously, in really, really good form. Uh, all coming off of his injury. What do you do here, Dave? Um, <clears throat> I think probably LaRue Milan is our starting 12. Yep. And Ben Lesage and Wayne Vanderbank are battling it out for 13. Okay. Um, I think they bring slightly different. Uh, I mean, they have, they're both very good on attack and defense. I yep. think where each of them shine uh, in particular are a little bit different. I think I love Wayne Vanderbank with ball in hand. Yes. Running through a guy. Just as as we already said, refusing to be tackled. That's just the best like, way to put it. Yeah. Politely declining the put, tackle. Yeah. Just mm -hmm. just keeps going. Um it's um and not even like sitting guys down necessarily, just slipping through what people thought were healthy tackles and just like, nope, actually I'm gone. Um, Ben Lesage, very good with ball in hand, but he always impresses me defensively. Yes. Um, where he, as I said, is just so comfortable defending and can take like a two on one situation and just manage it really capably mm -hmm. to uh, like triage the situation until more people can get there. So I think perhaps it depends on the matchup week to week um, who we will see. Um, it also allows players to get a little bit more rest. Mm -hmm. We know the team values competition yep. uh, among players, healthy competition as they describe it, with people you know working their hardest when they know there's somebody else who's also working to try to get that same um, opportunity come Saturday, come match day. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's my prediction. Um, who will? get more time or more minutes or kind of settle into maybe a more predictable starter. I don't really know. Like I, I could make a guess if you twisted my arm, but it wouldn't really be well informed. Um, so I'm going with my matchup based decision-making, but I, I do think that now that we've seen LaRue back, uh, they may, <clears throat> they may take it a little bit slow just depending on where he is on his return. Um, but he looked pretty comfortable out there. So, um, you know, perhaps we'll see him settling in to start and then coming off somewhat earlier than we normally see backs, mm -hmm. you know, just to manage minutes. Um, who knows? We'll see. As uh, Mark was saying a moment ago, it's a great problem to have. I mean, regardless of who you put on the bench in the 23, that guy could start on any team in MLR. Yeah. And, and and if a team says, no, no, we wouldn't take him, they're absolutely lying to you because, you know, depth is something that is extremely important. Depth helps win championships in rugby um, because it is game, it's a game of attrition. We know that uh, it's such a physical sport. You can get injured and be, you know, have problems with whoever's coming in if you don't have solid depth. So 
LaRue absolutely did look great. Kathy, you're, you're hundred percent right. So if it was, you know, the smart thing to say is matchup based is who you're going to see in those positions, depending on who the opponent is. But in the ideal scenario, I think they want to have Wayne and LaRue and with Ben on the bench offers just an excellent, you know, coverage for, for both of those guys. So that's my, and by the way, Spencer Jones looming in the background too. I yeah. mean, just wealth guys. It's just, it's it's absurd how much wealth we have in those possessions uh, positions. It's really, really cool. But with that being said, we're going to exit this segment and go into the next one, which is our preview of Toronto. And I got a lot to say about that. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> they've been poking the bear. Uh, so in three, two, one, huzzah. huzzah. <laughs> oh, it makes me laugh every single time. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers show. I am joined with Diamond Dave. Dave, how the hell are you? I am doing well, Phil. I'm doing well. Excellent, excellent. So, well, it's Toronto week um, once again. Toronto, yeah, I'm going to get to this in a moment, and I will preface this before I talk my crap. Uh, I'll, first, I want to get into the, uh, the standings real quick. With everyone in the Eastern Conference having played seven games so far, the Eastern Conference punching bags, the Toronto Arrows, find themselves in dead last. Uh, David Lawrence zags a lot in our Outriders segment, but he zagged himself off a cliff with this prediction that Toronto will make the playoffs this year. The development team for the Free Jacks have one win, six losses, with a point differential of minus 101 points. They have eight total table points. That is 17 off the pace of the Free Jacks. As our graphic that we posted in the offseason and today, Toronto is the official feeder club for the New England Free Jacks. Andrew Quatran, who you just saw in that intro, who did a fantastic job, uh, Cole Keith and Spencer Jones all got the call up to the big show this offseason and have contributed <laughs> for the parent club. Toronto has an injury crisis right now. Um, last week, they posted that 13 players were on the injury sheet which is absolutely insane. Uh, Dave, this actually reminds me of last year where they went like through 10 uh, uh, scrum halves. Yeah. What do you make of this Toronto team? Um, I think that it is very difficult to play on the road for the first third, more than the third of the season. I wonder how much of their injury struggles and their difficulty in finding wins um is because it's very hard to win away matches in major league rugby we, we've seen a really strong home field advantage um travels is a little bit more difficult on players bodies um just in terms of having fewer opportunities to rest and recover not having access to your preferred you know, treatment facilities and all that. Obviously, you know, when we interviewed Mike, the head of medical for the team, you know, we learned they they, they take great pains when they're on the road to try to make the uh, right. performance environment as good and comfortable as they can for players. Um, but it's not perfect. There's a reason you'd rather play at home, and Toronto's only gotten to do that once. And when they mm -hmm. did, they very nearly beat the 
reigning champion New York Iron Workers Rugby Football Tiddlywinks Club. <laughs> so, you know, I think they are better than their record. But when you look at that string, uh, or, or rather, I think at the start of the season, they were better than their record now reflects. But when you look at the record and the injury list together, um, to me, you know, I wonder how much that really is connected to that starting on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough. They're a good, they have a number of good players. They certainly have lost some of their more talented players, you know, many of them to the Free Jacks, as you point out. Yep. Um, but they're not. I don't know. They shouldn't be as bad as they are. And we may see a turnaround. Playoffs? No. I don't (laughs) think they're making the playoffs at this point. But we could see them come back. And, you know, I don't know exactly what their schedule looks like the rest of the season. But, you know, we might see them take some games off some good teams. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. We saw what they can do against New York. They looked pretty good in most areas um, outside the scrum. Um, they haven't been good in the set piece this season. One thing that stood out to me in the bron- in the broadcast, they said that um, Toronto has the worst lineout completage percentage Jeez. I in the league. And I mean, we've certainly talked about the woes that a poor lineout will will give you. It's so. tough with an aviation theme if you can't get guys in the air. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's true. It's true. You better be able to figure that out. Exactly. Branding. It's important. It is. Um, they, at times, had some pretty poor tackling against New York. Um, I think they are a vulnerable team. I don't think they're as good as, you know, in our, thinking just in our division, the Free Jacks, New Orleans, um, New York and Atlanta, I think probably are a little bit better of a matchup for them than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. They certainly were very revved up to be playing in York Lions Stadium. And um, we cannot expect an easy match because they are one and six. Here's my thing is like, obviously, they've had some trouble on the road and it's tough for Toronto because this is going to happen yearly, and we thought it was going to happen for the Free Jacks as well, where at the beginning of the season, all of your games are going to be essentially on the road for the first quarter of the season, and that's what's happened with Toronto because it's cold there. You know, uh, it's tough, right? Yeah. So you're on the road. Uh, you're not getting wins. You have an injury crisis where 13 of your players are out. Your best players are now in New England. Well, some of the best players. I don't want to, you know, go all out. But, you know, so it's tough being a Toronto fan. I understand that. In the COVID year or 2021, they were not even in this, the, the yeah. country of Canada. In Atlanta it's tough, year. man. It's tough. But, you know, they want to come up with hope for themselves. Last week, they're saying, oh, we're going to be – we're doing all this, these home games. And, oh, by the way, let me show you what they posted. Uh, let me know if you can see this, my friend. <laughs> we're doing screen shares. We are. Uh, yeah. Our good friend, James Dealey, who's a rugby and hockey fan, British guy living in Toronto. Uh, he's a great, great MLR content creator. He is the guy that runs the MLR stats page. Yeah. Very, very nice guy. I met him in person when I was up there in Toronto. And by the way, Toronto, a lovely place. I absolutely 
had a blast there. But here's the issue that I'm having right now. If you can see my screen, Fort I, Toronto. I can't see it, but that's son of a gun. Okay, let me see here. Hmm. I believe you. Although you could just say, "Oh, wait a minute! I know it." There we go. There All right, is. here we go. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm looking at is James Dealey's posts from a couple days back. He wants to get his fan base excited about being at home. I totally get it. But when you put Fort, Fort Toronto, Toronto with a question mark here, it gets my blood boiling a little bit. Um, you know, their record while they're in uh, Toronto, very, very good. 11-5. and five. That is very, yeah. very respectable. And that's something that they should be fired up about. They've had a bad run of games away from home. So they want to fire up their fan base. But calling or you know pointing out that they could be Fort Toronto is just not the way to do it. The, what that does is just pisses Phil off. So for the past couple of days, I've just been jabbing him a little bit. Um, and I cannot he, wait. He yeah, should have stopped. He should have stopped. And thought, how will Phil Harris feel about this post? <laughs> and then maybe he wouldn't have done it. Maybe not. Uh, actually, I, I feel like you have to consider what New England fans are going to do. Because it it's not just me. It's very, very passionate and vocal fans on the internet of the New England Free Jacks. When you put Fort Toronto in your graphic, you're going you're gonna to piss some people off that, uh, that talk like, uh, you know, some of the people that we've had on this show. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a little frustrating, but at the same time, Oh, by the way, who has the best record and truly is a fort is Fort Quincy, who has only lost ever twice in our entire history there. And even if you want to go further back than that, our, all of our home games ever, including Fort Union Point and Fort Quincy, we've only lost there three times in the entire history of the home stands yeah. of this proud franchise. There's no team that comes anywhere close to that. And people can say, well, the Free Jacks have only been playing for four years in the league. Well, the league is only six years old. And at the same time, if you look at all the other teams that are have been doing this a very long, long time, they don't come anywhere close to us. Yeah. So it's true that there really is no, yeah. when you get, when you get into the numbers, like <clears throat> nobody's close to the Free Jacks yeah. in terms of their own home field advantage. I believe the specific is 0.887 uh, winning percentage, which is yeah. very, very high. So that's wild. It is, it's, it's pretty impressive stuff. And that, and that's uh, a, a real testament to the people that make Fort Quincy a fort. Uh, and that's the fans that show up and, and are loud and proud every single game and create that excellent fan atmosphere that people from across the country want to come and experience. So uh, there was a shit ton of uh, uh, Chicago fans at that game at Fort Quincy, um, you know, Brian Ray came from Nova Scotia to come yeah. experience Fort Quincy for himself when the Toronto Eras weren't even playing his team. So there you go. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, Toronto is our feeder club. We have uh, we've uh, officially announced that. So I'm really excited to see what takes place in this game. And I really, really want to beat them now. Those friendly knuckleheads from uh, uh, above the border there. 
they're they, they're kind of getting on my nerves a little bit. So I, I I really hope that this becomes more of a rivalry game. Part of it is that they're just too damn nice. I don't really see them as big rivals, but it really is. It could be developed into something. Like I've tried the whole hashtag of King of the North and stuff like that. So yeah. I really want this to be a big rivalry. And I think with the storyline of their two two of their two or three of their best players coming down to to new england uh and and setting up shop here will definitely help the on field rivalry mm-hmm. um so i think uh, it could be a spicy match for sure for in sure that, in that vein mm-hmm. um you know anytime you're going back and playing your old team tempers are a little bit higher players are a little bit more up for it and with as many canadian players as we have um yeah i think it could be i think it could be pretty contentious i'm pretty excited I am too, man. And this is a game that everybody will remember. And, and those those fans of the Toronto Arrows, those suffering fans of the Toronto Arrows, uh, will remind us that the last time that we played up there, the Free Jacks lost. And I don't really need to be reminded because I was there uh, in person. And it was probably the worst performance uh of the 2022 season for the free Jacks. It was a heavily rotated squad, but there's really no excuse uh, in in the performance that they put in. It was lackluster to say the least. Um, So I just wanted to, you know, let uh, everybody know out there that this will be a a rivalry game for sure on the pitch (laughs) there. And we're excited to do a watch along. Bozo and myself will be at the new granite outpost on Saturday. I want to say that the kickoff time is 6 PM Eastern time. So uh, if you're not watching it, uh, at a watch along an official watch along of the free jacks just go ahead and turn on uh your youtube or twitter or however you watch the jacks ranger show and we will be commentating uh and doing our best to talk a lot of shit about toronto during that broadcast that we do all right so i wanted to say that there was some highlights from toronto's last week's game against new york that they almost won most notably Deshaun Bowden, who scored a hat trick for Toronto in his first home game. And let's not forget that last year in my dream away trip, Caitlin and I did make the trip up to Toronto. Great city. Absolutely loved it there. But, you know, it was not a great performance. Uh, that loss is definitely in the back of my mind. I really want to beat these guys. The whole Fort Toronto thing really pisses me off. And the fact that they're their best players left and came to the Jacks just adds to the rivalry. As I was saying earlier, my key to the game is something that I've talked about last week, but I didn't make it my key to the game. This week I am going to do this because although we we separated ourselves in the second half, it was multiple times in the first half that we could have scored more points, but yet we didn't for one reason or another. So I don't want to see any held up balls, unforced errors, or lost possession in the opposition 22 if you can go for points through the uprights, uh, take it situationally, keep the points ticking over. If we have the lead, play smart rugby away from home. I think that's extremely crucial. Um, the Jacks' only losses all year have been on the road. We have a better roster than Toronto, obviously, because they're a feeder club to us. It wouldn't be make sense if they had a better roster than the parent club, right? Um, it wouldn't – yeah, it just wouldn't make any sense. So we have the better – great way to put it, illogical. Um, we have the better ponies. We just need to get them across the finish line there in Toronto um, at Fort Toronto. Uh, what is your key to the game? Yeah, I like that play smart rugby away from mm-hmm. home. You know, I think it's a good, I think it's a point well made. Uh, my key to the game involves some thing, someone that we have not mentioned so far. My key to the game is our 
outside defense. Defense oh. out wide. Because they've got a little guy named uh, <clears throat> Deshaun Bowen. He's yes. from Toronto. He's a hometown yep. boy. Played sevens for Canada. Recently signed by the Arrows. His first match was last week against New York. They're in York Lions Stadium. Deshaun Bowen touched the ball six times. Deshaun Bowen scored three tries. Deshaun Bowen is very fast. And uh, he's a really good rugby player. Uh, he's young. He's got a lot of upside. He's already great. And I can't imagine he gets less great anytime soon. Um, really exciting. Someone to watch. And is really going to potentially, I mean, if he if he can get quality ball, which is a big if, because I think mm -hmm. what we can actually do is a lot of things before the ball gets wide that will make it pretty hard. Yes. But he is going to get a few balls. They will win some scrums and some lineouts. He'll get some chances to attack, and we're going to have to shut that down because he's a big threat. If he sure this, is. You know, his international sevens career, and then uh, now this one match in Major League Rugby is anything to go on. Exciting player. Can't wait to see him in a Free Jacks uniform next year. It's gonna really going to break Toronto's heart <laughs> when we sign him next year, right? Uh, do we need another wing? Not sure. Really, but we'll bring him anyway. Sure. Come on. Get all of them. Yeah. Yep. We're doing yeah. a set. We're getting the set. We're getting the whole set. We're trying set. to get the set. Yep. If you're Canadian and you've played for the Toronto Arrows either this season or last season, you're welcome on the Free Jacks. All right. Uh, so I, I absolutely agree. This is something that we saw at Utah that definitely helped them propel themselves mm -hmm. into that victory. Is uh, got to be better defending out wide for sure. Uh, and we'll move over to predictions, and I will let you go first this week. All right. The Oracle of Woburn. Let's see what we got. We got a 27. Oh. And we got a 35. Whoa. Big score. Uh, big score i don't know if they'll score 27 i hope not but it's possible that's about what they that's about what they put on uh new york mm -hmm. um so we'll see. in fact that might be exactly what they put on new york so we'll see the dice don't lie that's true uh my prediction is toronto 18 new england 28 and i am giving them quite a bit of respect because it is on the road yeah. um but i i do think the the free jacks will I don't know if ten point win is a comfortable win, but yeah, it's it's, it's going to be it's going to feel pretty comfortable, I think. And ultimately, we will see that we are the much better side than Toronto. I, I think their record they're slightly hard done by with the whole away matches so early on and stuff like that. But you know, again, their fan base wants to you know to pump their chest and, and talk about their their amazing home record. We're really going to put that to the test this week. I mean, New York beat them, and New York is as we've seen, you know. They're they're the reigning champions, but uh, the Free Jacks obviously put them to bed uh, at at home there, most recently. So, yeah, you know the the best of the East is coming. Uh, the the King of the North, the Beast of the East, is coming to Toronto. And I'm trying to be really nice, guys. Like uh, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I you know we want to build community, and and we we appreciate all these guys. <laughs> I I really enjoy James. I think he's fantastic. He's helped us out with stats before on this show. But in the in the and also I just wanna I just wanna wring some guys' necks a little bit here with the whole Fort Toronto thing. So yeah. I, I'm I'm restraining myself. I truly am. 
I think ultimately what we what we want to see is a solid win, which is not the same thing as like a blowout win. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a, a fairly close game, but we we want to feel like we're in control. Yes, um, you're not always going to blow a team that you are better than out. You're, but you do want to make sure that it feels like you have the momentum and that you are playing the game that you want and that by playing that game, you're going to come out ahead and win. So I think that's what we want to look for in in a match against a Toronto team who is finally at home again. And, you know, maybe they're trying to kind of mount a turnaround and we want to make sure that we are not the first stepping stone in that turnaround for them, that we are bringing the pressure, making it hard, for them to do anything. I think their scrums and lineouts are going to be a place that we particularly can target yes. and attack. New York made their scrum look real bad. And I think that we could be in for a, a fun day at the office for our type five if if we can uh, start causing some cracks in that scrum. Might see another pushover try. Two in one season. That'd could be great. Could it happen? We'll That'd see. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. Like, it's a shame that Josh Larson is injured. I also believe Travis Larson, because their entire roster is injured, he's also injured. Yeah. Um, so it's a shame that we won't see that matchup. But uh, a lot of storylines for sure. You know, three guys to homecoming. Um, I'm sure they left on great terms. But at the same time, if you leave your – basically your hometown club, because they can claim everybody in Canada at this point because it's <laughs> the only Canadian team, um, yeah. and you go somewhere else, you know, the, the, the guys that are still there that probably – you know, would love to play on the free jacks, um, you know, are, are going to let them know about it on the pitch. So, um, yeah, with that being said, I think we've covered everything that we needed to cover and I would restrain myself very much. So, and, you know, James, you're, you're still all right in my book, but pipe down with that uh, Fort Toronto crap. All right. With that being said, uh, three, two, one, huzzah. huzzah. Woo. Thank you. Cheers. All right, Rangers, tell us how we did. Send us an email at jacksrangersshow at gmail.com. Interact with us on social media as so many of you do. Please continue to do that. Every time you see one of our posts, like and comment on there. And every time you see us post a video, please like, comment, and share. We would greatly appreciate that. Be on the lookout for a live stream. Watch along once again this weekend. Bozo6 and myself should be chopping it up here at the new Granite Outpost as your New England Free Jacks take on the Toronto Arrows. That will be streaming on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Now it's time for me to trot off into the sunset here, Rangers. Really appreciate all the Rangers that continue to listen to us on a weekly basis. Thank you very much. I just got a couple things before we exit the podcast this week. Episode 73 has come to an end. Go Free Jacks, beat Toronto, saddle up, let's ride, and huzzah, baby. Woo!